Welcome to Mytho Ladies, the podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Zoe. And I'm Lizzie. And how are you today, Zoe? I'm pleased to inform you that it is cold again here. It is cool. The, it rained a lot on, what was it, Sunday or Saturday? And now it is pleasantly cool out. Um, so that's really nice. Yeah, that's my weather It actually rained here too, but I live in the Netherlands, so what are you going to do? Are you an umbrella believer or not, Lizzie? Do you believe in umbrellas? I usually don't use an umbrella. Like, I own That's umbrellas, exactly. but I, I'd i rather just have, like, a hood and, like, keep my head down and suffer, <laughs> you know? What about you? Yes, I'm also, I am an umbrella uh, denier. I don't believe that umbrellas are actually an effective way of preventing the rain from hitting you. So I have a raincoat, and that oh, is wow. all I will employ to protect me from the elements. Okay. Um, because, you know, like if it's windy, holding something above your head isn't going to help you. So, what shirt like, are you wearing right now? I'm wearing my I Heart Swedish Girl shirt. I didn't realize that you had, or I forgot that you had one. Yeah, I got one when I was in Sweden. I had to complete the meme, obviously. Oh, amazing. So, yes. Uh, Lizzie and I, and does Sarah have one too? Sarah had one. I haven't seen her wear it in a really long time. Oh, well, our friend Sarah had one for a while, and um, we all got I Heart Swedish Girls shirts at one point. So that's it. Thing. Brings me joy. <laughs> it's a great so shirt. So that's your unofficial Mythal Ladies merch of the day. Uh, and I Heart Swedish Girls. I Heart, Girl I heart shirt. Swedish Girls. Yeah. Yeah. From Sweden. <laughs> From it, we got them in Sweden. Yeah. Um, to clarify. Authentic. Authentic. <laughs> Swedish tour shops uh, merch right here. Uh, yeah. Lizzie, how are you? Um, fine. Yeah. I don't know. It was raining, it's cold here, but also I'm going to Scotland tomorrow. So you're going to get more rain and cold, probably. Yeah, actually, it's raining there too, so (laughs) yay. (laughs) But oh well, I'm excited. I've never been to Scotland. I have some old, I have some old pounds that I'm taking, like paper notes, which they don't make anymore. But apparently oh. you can trade them in for the current, like, plastic notes. They have, oh, plastic. Okay, I understand now. Yeah. But that's, okay. They're, like, very, very old pounds my mom gave me, like, years ago when she went to London. So I just kept nice. them. And I'm like, I'll go to the UK one day and, like, use these. And look and at now, now. And now they don't, and now they don't make them anymore. But <laughs> they just changed them. their or money. You could, or you could keep them if you're, like, someone who wants to start collecting foreign currency. Well, um, the thing is... They, they don't let you trade in the fives and the tens. They only let you trade in the twenties, and I have a couple of twenties. Mm. So I'm going to hang on to the fives, the five and the okay. ten that I have. Because yeah, they're worthless. But maybe they'll be worth yeah. something someday. But 20 pounds is a decent amount of pounds, so. Yeah. Maybe. I don't I know. buy something with that. A sandwich, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> An airport sandwich. An I Heart Scottish Girls shirt, probably. Oh, probably I should not. get that. And if they have that, I want it. Okay. 
go around Europe collecting I Heart X Girls shirts. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, though, um, before we begin, just a quick reminder that you should donate to our Kofi because we currently do this show for no money and we don't have sponsors. And if you are able to, we would appreciate payment. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we have bonus episodes, so you should donate and listen to them. We exactly. have two fun bonus episodes where we talk about different books that are relevant to mythology and folklore. We talk about Daughter of the Moon Goddess and A Thousand Ships. Um, and those are both tied to our um, last two uh, themed episodes about moon goddesses and women of the Trojan War. So you should check them out. They're both pretty fun. Exactly. And so now, Zoe... Who are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about Yemoja, oh. um, also known as Yeman, Yemanja, Yemanya, Yemaya. Lo- she has a lot of different names. We'll talk about why in a second. Um, but yeah, have you heard of her? Yeah, she's Brazilian, right? Yeah, well, so she is very popular in Brazil and in South America in general, as I will talk about. She's like um, a she's syncretized also- goddess, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's originally a Yoruba Orisha. Yeah, so she's originally from West Africa, but she um, is now very popular in uh, South America as well as places in the Caribbean and Central America too. So and so because basically already been implied, but we'll be discussing um, basically implying discussion of the slave trade um, and slavery throughout this episode because of. The origins of her worship and how she spread across the world, and also um, a trigger warning for sexual assault at a certain point. Um, so yeah, so yeah, Yemoja is like she has so many names. I was really having trouble figuring out which name I wanted to put as like the title of the episode. Um, I decided to go with Yemoja because that seems to be like the Yoruba name for her. Um, it comes from Yeye meaning mother, Omo meaning children, and Asia meaning fish. So basically, her name can be translated to mother whose children are fish or mother of fish. Cool. Yeah, so she is often depicted as a mermaid, so half woman, half fish with a tail. Very fun. And she is the Yorba mother of all Orishas. She's the embodiment of fertility, abundance, and life, and associated with both water and food, like the fish that her name alludes to. Ah. The river, she's associated with the river Ogun in Nigeria. Um, that's the main river that she's associated with. And she's like the leader of all, she's like the primary river Orisha in um, Yoruba mythology. And there's a temple that's been built to her in the Ivora quarter of the city of Abeokuta. And she's also associated with a stream near one of her temples, Nibadan city. And also she's associated with the sea. Although that's more of um in what she's associated with in South America, in like in um in the Western Hemisphere, in Yoruba mythology, she is there's another Orisha that's more associated with the sea, but she sort of takes on a bigger role um, once tra- she traveled over to South America and mm-hmm. Central America. Um, she's generally seen as a mother figure. However, if she loses her temper, she can be quite wrathful, flooding streams and rivers. And she's associated with the moon, water, and femininity, as well as parenting, child safety, love, and healing. And 
Yeah, so like I said, she's an important spirit in Yoruba mythology, but due to the slave trade, she is also an important figure across the ocean in African diasporic communities. And in particular, um, and one of the thing that I was thinking about the most when I started this research is that there's a significant devotion to her in the Condomble practitioners in the city of Bahia, Brazil. That city was once the largest slave port in the world. And so today there was a very significant um, population of people of African descent, and they remember and still worship Yamoja. Um, although generally they call her Yamanja um, with a Y or an I at the beginning because there's not an, a Y in Portuguese. And so due to the extensive spread of her worship across the world, there are many different names, stories, and traits associated with her depending on the region. She's sort of been fragmented into different aspects and ideas. Um, some people will view them as different incarnations of her or different figures entirely, but most people tend to view her as view them as different interpretations of the same core spirit. So that's how I'm discussing her in this episode. And there, there's a theory about it. Um, it's a theory, so we don't know if it's accurate. But the vast majority of enslaved people who were brought from Lagos to Bahia were of the Yoruba people. But there were also people from different uh, ethnic groups, including the Ewe, Fanti, Ashanti, Hausa, and Mandingo, and Fula people. And many of these different groups and cultures had their own conceptions of water goddesses and spirits separate from Yimoja, but they and their traditions were influenced by the Yoruba majority and developed into different versions of Yimoja. That is the theory. Mm -hmm. We don't know if it's true, but that is a theory that people have that I thought was interesting. So there are a few stories associated with her. Um, the first story is where the uh, trigger warning for sexual assault comes in. And so... Yamoja was the daughter of Odudua, the earth, and Obatala, the heavens, and she married her brother, Aganju, the god of dry, barren land. And together, the two of them had a son named Orangun, who was the god of the sky between heaven and earth. And he was so handsome that some stories say his father died of envy upon looking at him. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of fun because I feel like that's it's something you would more see from a daughter and a mother. Yeah, isn't it that fun? However, one day when Aganju was away from him, or alternatively dead, depending on the story of whether or not he died when his son was born, um, Orangun sexually assaulted his mother, Yamoja, and she ran away from him and he chased after her. In her efforts to get away, she slipped and fell, hitting her head against a stone. And in the force of her fall, jets of water burst from her breasts, creating a lagoon from which all the world's streams flowed. Her stomach burst open when she landed, and the 14 original orishas burst from it, burst into the world. And oh. so, in the story, she did die in this fall, but people remember where she fell, and they built the holy city of Ife upon it. Um, and the name Ife means distension, enlargement, and swelling, which is interesting. Isn't that somewhat similar to the Yara myth? Well, the Yara myth was that she was... Yeah, you're sort of right. Wasn't she, she was being pursued chased... by her brothers, and then she fell... Did that happen? Yeah, so she was being pursued by her brothers. They were trying to kill her for some reason. And she ended up jumping into the river, I think, and either like drowned or like was saved or alternatively was punished and turned into a mermaid, into like the evil mermaid spirit or less evil mermaid spirit, depending on the stories. Um, but yeah, that is a similar story, actually. I hadn't even thought of that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Then there's an alternative story. Um, Yamoja is depict generally depicted with large breasts due to her association with fertility and motherhood. But in some cases, uh, she is depicted with only one breast. Um, and so 
this is that is associated with a particular story that's different from the previous story. And in the story, she was afraid of marriage because she only had one breast and she was kind of embarrassed about it. Um, but the god Ogun heard her fears and offered her marriage anyway, with the understanding that he would never touch her breast. One day, though, he was trying to prepare a meal for her. He dropped a pot and she berated him for his carelessness. And so in his anger, he struck her. Um, and then he tried to comfort her by touching her breast. And then since he had broke his promise, she turned into water and created all the world's streams. So that's another story. Interesting. With her. And then there's a third story of, that is um, associated with her. This is more of a story of um, found in like uh, the Candomblé religion in Brazil. So it's more of a diaspora story than like an original Yoruba story. But it basically says that Yimloja lived on Earth and one day she caught a spark falling from the heavens in her outstretched apron. And it turned out to be the god Shango, whom she raised as her mm-hmm. adopted son. And he was a demanding child, always asking his mother for more food, entertainment, and gifts. And one day, in a fit of rage, he asked for divination tools that belonged to Obatala, the supreme god. Not wanting to disappoint her adoptive son, Yamoja tried to steal it, but failed. And then she was punished by being forced into servitude. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's that story. What's interesting uh, with these three different stories, they're all quite different, but we see an association with her and like three of the primary male Orishas, Aganju, um, Shango, and Ogun, uh, who are very significant. I think actually Aganju and Shango are like considered to be the same figure, depending. Are they? Um, so it's that also makes sense. I think so. I'll have to look that up. But regardless, the, you know, she's associated with some very important male figures in mythology as well, which makes sense because mm-hmm. um, she's also very important. So she has a lot of different aspects. Um, as I said before, she has a lot of different associations and she's been interpreted in a lot of different ways throughout the world. Um, and so there's sort of like different paths, one could say, Um it would be worshipped separately or together um, and seen as many different goddesses or facets of one major goddess, which is how I'm sort of thinking about them. Mm-hmm. And um, since these are um, primarily found in um, the Western Hemisphere, she's referred to as Yemaya as opposed to Yemoja. So that's how I'll be referring to it. It's the same woman. It's just there are a lot of different names for her. So the first aspect is Yamaya Asesun, who's the goddess of water birds and springs, especially those found in deep forests, as in the springs are found in deep forests. Not the birds. Uh-huh. Then there's Yamaya Ashagwa, who is a more primordial aspect of Yamaya. She is a spirit of divination and healing. She connects the bottom of the sea to the top of the sea, and she creates floods and tidal waves when angered. Then there's Yamaya Ateromawa, who is the queen of all treasures in the sea. Yamaya Ibu Agana, who is the wrathful aspect of Yamaya. She lives at the bottom of the sea and creates whirlpools and other dangerous nautical conditions. Then there is Yamaya Ibu Ara, who is the ruler of treasure, trade routes, and the market. Yamaya Bayalewo, who is the queen of the harbor. She rules over merchants and trade ships, and she lives in the bays in which harbors are found. Yamaya Ogunte, who is a warrior figure aspect of Yamaya, she fights alongside Ogun, and she lives on treacherous ocean cliffs and has a crown of seven machetes. Cool. Yeah. And Yamaya Okoto is the pirate queen. She causes shipwrecks and takes ship's treasures down to the ocean floor. 
She wears a shark's jawbone as a crown. She keeps a dagger clenched between your teeth. And all predatory marine animals serve as her messengers, potentially including human pirates, which was a wild, interesting fact. Um, And she resides primarily in the Red Sea, but she can go wherever she pleases. And a fun fact, this aspect of Yamaya is associated with trans women and lesbians. So that's super fun. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. Like how? I think that she's like celibate or like she doesn't she's not interested in men in this version. So that's why. But that's really fun. And then Yamaya Odo refers to an aspect of Yamaya who once fell in love with an adodi or gay man. Basically, it's the traditional word for it. Um, And because of this, she is a patroness of gay, bisexual and gender nonconforming men. And she is also especially concerned with people suffering from HIV and AIDS and can be prayed to for relief from that condition, which is really cool. That's very Um, cool. I was not necessarily trying to find a Pride Month lady, but I accidentally did. Um, So there we go. She is very lovely. It's nice that she loves all the LGBTs. Exactly. The L's, the G's, the B's, and the T's. Exactly. um, One might say. Yes. (laughs) And so, like I said, she's worshipped in a lot of different places throughout the world. And so in Nigeria... Um, or West Africa in general, but primarily Nigeria. She's a mother figure. She's the patroness of pregnant women and the Ogun River, but she's worshipped at basically any river or spring. Um, she, it's believed that she can visit any body of water and is the leader of all other river deities, as I said before. And she is often depicted as a mermaid. Very cool. Um, which is so fun. Love mermaids. In Cuba, she's known as Yamaya, and she wears a large skirt. Her colors are blue and white, and she wears blue and white beads, seven white and seven blue beads alternating, and that represents the ocean's waters. Uh She can be both wild and calm, like the ocean's waves. And she's associated with Our Lady of Regla, a famous apparition of the Virgin Mary in Cuba, and the patroness of Havana, and the version of Mary, the Virgin of Mary, known as Our Lady Star of the Sea. Um, who originated in Europe, um, but has, of course, traveled across the world. Um, And she's just associated as a protectress of, like, sailors and ocean travel. She's celebrated on the 7th of September, and there's a procession of the Regla municipality. Many people also hold vigil the night before on September 6th. And this tradition has its origins in Cabildos de Nación, which which are ethnic African associations um, in Cuba that were created in the 16th century under Spanish colonialism. So, like, these traditions go back a really long time in Cuba, which is really awesome. And so then in Trinidad, she is depicted solely as a benevolent goddess, and she often appears in a rowboat. Her symbols are gourd full of water and an oar, and her sacred day is Thursday, and she's syncretized with St. Anne, the mother of Mary, and Jesus's grandmother. So very motherly figure overall. And in Brazil, like I said, very important in Brazil. So she is known as Yamanja or Yamanja with an I instead of a Y. And she's viewed more as a general water or sea goddess. And she's associated with the crescent moon. She is um, worshipped alongside four other figures. Oshun, who we've talked about. Oba, who we've talked about. And Oya. And Nana, who is an Orisha not found in West Africa that has taken over some of Yamanja's functions in um, the Western Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And she's been syncretized with the Virgin Mary, in particular, Our Lady of Seafarers and Our Lady of the Conception. 
And um, on days when Mary is celebrated, such as the feast day of Our Lady of Seafarers on February 2nd or the feast day of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th, Yemanjana is also celebrated. So on February 2nd in Bahia, devotees will get up at dawn and leave offerings at shrines to her, which will then be taken up by fishermen in baskets and carried out to sea in their boats. And in other cities in Brazil, her image is carried to the shore of the ocean and celebrated. And at the beginning of December in the state of Sao Paulo, people decorate their vehicles with icons of Yamanja and her colors, blue and white, traveling from the mountains to the coast to celebrate her. And then they rally around her statue on the Praia Grande beach. And then she's also celebrated on New Year's Eve. People of all faiths will dress in white and gather on the beaches watching fireworks, throwing white flowers into the water, leaving floating candles and giving offerings and toy wooden boats to Yemanja, asking her to grant their request for the new year. And they will also jump seven waves to honor her. Um, and paintings of her are sold in shops alongside Jesus and other saints. Mm. Um, and that just sounds like a really beautiful experience you know being on the beach watching the fireworks and with the white flowers in the water and the candles you know like that's just a beautiful image Mm. um and she's often represented in wooden sculpture as a pregnant woman holding her belly in her hands depictions of her vary sometimes she's depicted as white with fair skin and hair sometimes with white with dark hair and sometimes she is depicted with dark skin and hair my mom um who spent a year in bahia she has been asking me about when I'll do Yamanja, so hello, mom. Um, and she has a photograph in our living room uh, that her friend Yara took, um, who we t- who I talked yeah, to um, yeah. during our Yara, Yara episode. episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, um, and she uh, it's of a bunch of different statues of Yamanja, and they're all light skinned with dark hair. Um, they are sort of the similar. Um, depiction of women holding their bellies and they're very beautiful little stat they're very small too um at least that's my impression is that they're very small which is cool it's a cute little photo cool little photo Mm. um yeah she manifests immaterially in worship ceremonies through possession of her mediums which are known as her daughters and they go through lengthy initiation processes before they can embody her and there's like they're selected through divination dreams or ritual that's cool yeah her sacred day is saturday her sacred colors are light blue white and sometimes rose and she is again often depicted as a mermaid so fun once again so in nigeria her often offerings generally include corn ram and cola nuts but in brazil and the caribbean her offerings are richer and involve more meat such as goats sheep chicken ducks and pigeons and meals such as uh, akasa, which is cornmeal and rice flour porridge, akaraje, which is fried dumplings filled with mashed bean, shrimp and onion, abara, um, banana leaves um, st- stuffed with shrimp oil, hot pepper, and corn peas. And basically full meals are offered to her. So her offerings are a lot richer, which is just interesting. You know, they're going all out for her. And on February 2nd, in particular, uh, devotees will offer her gifts of soap and perfume, flowers, handkerchiefs, silk, jewelry, and silver. Mm. So lots of lots of really nice stuff. And in Uruguay, she's also celebrated a lot on February 2nd in Montevideo. Hundreds of thousands of people will gather on the Ramirez Beach in the Parque Rodo neighborhood to celebrate Yemanja Day. And they'll wait for sunset. 
and then launch small boats holding offerings into the ocean. So yeah, that is her, that is her worship around the world. Those are the stories associated with her, the aspects associated with her. What are your thoughts? She seems cool. I think it's cool that her worship is very widespread and that she appears as a mermaid. It seems like most of her iconography was like her being pregnant. Is she ever like a pregnant mermaid? That's a good question. I don't know. That would be interesting. It would be. It opens up a lot of questions. It really would. (laughs) About mermaids and how they reproduce. Um, Wow. Uh, (laughs) Which we don't need to go into right now. But yeah, no, I think that it's probably one or the other. I don't know. Who's to say? Um, but yeah. Is she at all associated with Yara? Oh, yeah. I think I talked about her briefly in the Yara episode because I was like, yeah, yeah some people associate the two, think the two are linked. Like, Yara's a syncretization of um, an indigenous goddess and um, this Yoruba spirit and the European conception of the mermaid. Um, so it's all like tied together. Yemanja has been. Um, like pretty much only positive associations as far as I can tell for the most part like if you make her mad she'll sink your ship or like send a flood but that's more that's like pretty typical when it comes to spirits is just you know stay on their good side um as opposed to Yara who is very much like whereas Yara is known to lure um, men into their deaths and yeah lure men to their deaths and stuff which is generally less of a positive association for most yeah. people <laughs> for most people yeah so Yamanja Yamanja has been a very significant figure throughout history she's still quite a significant figure in um, art music um, stories um, and personal practices especially um, among people in the African diaspora in the western hemisphere I believe there was recently a piece of art at the uh, Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art, which is called the Mass Mocha for um, those who are hip and cool. Um, my and sister. it was like a dance or I think a movement piece that was about uh, Yamanja. And um, when was this? This was like back in February, I think. Oh, okay. I, wonder I if couldn't go see it, it because um, pandemic. It like, I, it's just. Pandemic, it's in North it's Adams, hard to travel. isn't it? Yeah. It's a really cool museum. It's a really great museum. Seems cool. Um, but it sounded like a really cool um, performance. So, like, that's, I mean, that's just a specific example of, like, a 2022 piece of art that held her as, like, the main focus of the story and, like, exploration. Even today, I mean, today she's featured often in pop culture, including characters in the online game Smite, which I think is, like, a, you know, a person versus person uh, battle game or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a gamer. Um but that's like what Smash it seems Bros. <laughs> sure, I don't know. Um that's my favorite. Reference. She's also a character in Neil Gaiman's book American Gods. Oh. She is in featured in works by Ishmael Reed and Zora Neale Hurston who are um not as modern. Um or at least Zora Neale Hurston is not as modern but still very important um culturally. Yeah. And also, she is a main character of an upcoming book called Skin of the Sea by Natasha Bowen, which we should check out because it sounds really interesting. Oh, Um, cool. So, verbal note. And also, during the 2016 Miss Universe pageant, Miss Venezuela, Mariam Abak, wore a dress inspired by Yemoja, 
It was massive. It weighed more than 18 kilograms, which is about 40 pounds for us Americans. And it was covered in pearls and crystals. Okay, um, I really want to see that beautiful. dress. Me too. I should have looked it up. Um, <laughs> but she had to kick it forward in order to move. And eventually she did get stuck and needed assistance to get off the stage. So that's a worth fun it for the story. opulence. I'm sorry. Honestly, yes. And I do feel bad for bringing it up because I'm sure it's very embarrassing for her. But also, I'm sure she looks great. So go her. But yeah, so she's generally viewed, you know, she's a migratory figure. She can travel anywhere throughout the world through her associations with water, um, rivers, streams, and the ocean. And she has traveled across the world. She is the protectress of the people in the African diaspora. And some people, including Sheila Smith McCoy, um, have pointed to the use of Yamanja, Yamoja in um, pop culture and arts in music. The depictions of her as a fight back against Western Christian hegemony, which seeks to destroy indigenous African traditions and denigrate representation of the divine feminine as represented in Yemoja. And like, yeah, Fair. as we've talked about very recently, um, Christianity is not, I mean, it's interested in the divine, fe- it's not. It's not, though, because Mary's not a, not God, but it is interested in like venerating certain female figures, but not treating them as God. And so, yeah. And I mean, there's all sorts of scholarship about like the 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 um how ancient civilizations worshipped goddesses, and then eventually patriarchy took over and started worshiping gods instead. And I mean, I feel like that theory is contested. Um, but I think yeah, it's contested. But I I don't know. I mean, I haven't looked into it enough to have a opinion. But I I do think there's some truth to it. Um, but it's true that there are very significant female spirits and goddesses like Yamaja, and also there are very um, in history, and also that Christianity doesn't like women. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's just, and that Christianity has like forced its ideals of how women should be and how people should yes, be. Yes, I think yes, that's safe quite to relevant. say. Yes, um, so. In a way, um, Yamaja exists both as the model of ideal womanhood and as a subversion of gender norms around womanhood. She is a mother figure. She's the mother of the world whose breasts created the water of life for all people, but also her rage can take the life that she gives through storms and floods. She can take life as easily as she gave it, and she's not a gentle figure. One can easily walk all over. Um, and, you know, there are aspects of her, like the pirate aspect, who literally sinks ships to steal, like, gold and uh, treasures and stuff, which is not really motherly, uh, but very fun, personally. I think that's a really, <laughs> really fun aspect of her. I, I was really into that. I think that's probably why she's the patron saint of LGBT women. Um, or not patron saint, but, you know, um, associated with LGBT women in that aspect, because I think it's really cool. Um <laughs> And yeah, the many different aspects of Yamoja found across the world um, to me feel representative of the journey of the African diaspora, um, taken from homes like by brutal violence and horrific actions, scattered but developed into their own communities and cultures based on the influences around them. Um, these communities and cultures are different um, based on the experiences of the people within them, but the shared celebration of Yamoja throughout represents their shared ancestral homeland. I also feel like a lot of her stories do have to do with like violence and being punished kind of. Yeah. 
And it is true that a lot of her stories have to do with act things happening to And that her. she, like, lives on and that she's associated mm-hmm. with, like, fertility and strength and, like, can capsize boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also really interesting that, like, in her, one of the original stories, she dies, but she's still so widely worshipped. And so it's like she's dead, but she's not actually dead, you know? She's still very much alive and influencing, like, the world around her. Yeah, like, she lives on. And, yeah, that's very powerful, especially, yeah, you know? And it is interesting that, like, she created the world generally, it seems, through, like, a painful experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, And... so it's like she is a mother figure and she is kind and nurturing and she is um, a protectress of mothers and children um, throughout the world. But also she didn't necessarily become a mother figure by choice. It was more because of actions um, mm-hmm. laid upon her. And so that is also an interesting aspect of her. You know, that she is so heavily associated with motherhood. She's associated with really maternal figures like mary and saint anne but also like she never chose to be a mother like the way that mary chose to be a mother yeah did mary choose to be a mother wasn't she just like divine well what is that's called? a complicated question but basic well basically the angel came to her and was like hey god wants you to bear bear a child and name him jesus and she says okay i'll do that and so in that way she is accepting the role of oh being a mother I didn't know she had a a choice. I mean, did she have a choice? But yes, she had a choice. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. If if the angel comes up to you and is like, you're going to be burying this child, like, are you really going to say no? Um, True. I don't know. Who's to say? Like, I'm I'm not Mary. And I'll never be Mary. Um, But yeah, you know, one of those questions. But still, it feels a lot more active and willing than the story of Yamoja being assaulted by her son and yeah falling definitely. and hitting her head on a rock and creating the waters of the world and all the orishas which is very dark mm-hmm. but also shows yeah. that like from violence you can also create something fruitful and healing i guess yeah and that ultimately like despite the violence she managed to keep going and is still a really powerful figure like, controlling water is a very powerful domain. Definitely. It's one of the it's most important. So especially important. because I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with, I mean, like, sailing. There's, like, pirates and mm-hmm. merchant ships. Like, these are, she's, like, very decisively yeah. important in the lives of people who yeah. have to sail at all. Yeah, like, she's even associated with, like, trade and commerce, which is really interesting because that's not something that, I would necessarily think a water goddess would be associated with because it's like, sure, it happens on the water, but like, it, I don't necessarily think of it as a, a domain of water. But like, obviously it is because if all your trade is by ship, yeah. then obviously you need the favor of the water goddess in order to want your trade to prosper well or else you're going to lose everything. Yeah. And so it makes sense that, you know, like that's a real like basically all the important aspects of life, um, love motherhood and trade she's associated with them <laughs> um, exactly yeah water not dying of dehydration um associated important mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah she is a really cool figure and i mean she's still incredibly important to this day and 
And that's cool that she lives on until now from many, many centuries. That's awesome. So long, yeah. (laughs) So thank you, Zoe, for today's episode. Uh, Thank you for listening. Please feel free to subscribe and listen to other episodes and donate to our Ko-fi. And normally we would see you in two weeks, but we are going to take a one-episode break. So we'll see you in about a month. Thank you. Thank you. May the Ladies Podcast is produced, researched, and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MythoLadies and visit us on our website at MythoLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening.